Thanks, uh, Chris. It's a joy to be with you, great to be with you on a day like today when we uh, thought about Gloucester City Mission and uh, thinking about the work that Mike has been doing and the future of that. It's been great to have fellowship with uh, Mike over the years, particularly at the Three County Show uh, where he served uh, the Lord with us there. The, the, the theme for what I've been asked to speak on this morning is uh, who is wise? Who is wise? And I thought, typical of Gloucester humour to ask an Irish man to preach on that. But wisdom's not the same as intelligence, is it? It's not the same as intelligence. It's not the same as having O-levels or A-levels. What Mike was just telling us about, thinking, well, I couldn't get into Redcliffe. I hadn't done all this, that and the other. It's not the same as intelligence. It's not the same as education. Wisdom's different. Someone with a doctorate in philosophy can be a fool. And a person who can neither read nor write can be wise. So wisdom is something we've got to make sure that we, we get it, we understand what it is. You see, wisdom is, according to the words of Jesus in the Bible, a matter of how I live my life and where I choose to build my foundation. In the first part of the reading that we've just had, and I'm, I'm going to focus more on the good fruit, bad fruit, good tree, bad tree, and on the, uh, the builder building either on the rock or on the sand. But there's a wonderful list. I, I, did you see it? There's a wonderful list of how a follower of Jesus should live their life. Let, let me just highlight some of those things that were read to us. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And again he says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Don't judge, and you will not be judged. Don't condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And we aspire to readings like this, much as in the kind of fuller text in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, where this section certainly ties into the teaching of Jesus. We relate to it, and even the world around us say, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good? But you and I know the truth, that I can't do that. I can't. I mean, you know, if I lend someone one of my favorite possessions... I won't forget they've got it. And I will definitely ask for it back. If, if someone did slap me on the cheek, I remember um, one of our neighbours, he, he didn't quite slap me on the cheek, but he got very aggressive towards my girls because he wasn't happy with, uh, with something. They were being noisy. Um, they were playing. I think they were called children at the time. Um, but some people don't like children. And... Uh, I thought I'd go round and give him a piece of my mind. And my wife said, I'll come with you. 
my wife is wise. My wife is wise. And this man kept ranting, and the girls were stood there on his doorstep, and he kept ranting. And I was like, you know, the old man in me was going to thump him. And uh, the new man in my wife <laughs> said, well, we just wanted you to know that we were sorry if because that's what we'd gone for, to apologize for any, you know, misunderstanding. And we did apologize, and my girls apologized, and, you know, but he wasn't going to accept it. It was my wife who said, well, all we wanted to do was apologize and, you know, have a good day. And she kind of just gently gave me a tug, and off we went. I mean, it's, it, it's great to read what Jesus says. It's hard to live what Jesus says. But the Bible says... Don't just be a hearer of the word, because a hearer who doesn't do it's a fool. Be a doer of the word. Act upon what Jesus says. I, I, I echo something Mike said in my own heart. You know that thing that he said there was a day when he didn't like street people. You might, and I do, struggle to think that was ever true of Mike, but he knows his own heart. I was walking into Hereford just the other week and uh, uh, I was parked up and walking in past through the cathedral grounds, some of you will know Hereford, through the cathedral grounds into a street called Church Street. It's a, a no vehicle, pedestrian, little old narrow street, lovely uh, cobbled kind of pavement and old shops and always sitting at the cathedral end of the entrance to church street is a street person there's always someone begging sometimes they're drinking sometimes there's a person there busking and um i had been uh, thinking about um in preparation for a message i was giving the greatest command love your neighbor as you love the lord your god with all your heart soul strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself and i've been thinking about it and i've been preparing on it and then i walked into town to go to the bank or go meet someone for a cup of coffee and a chat and i walked past, past this guy and he kind of mumbled something like i guess give me some money i'm not sure exactly what he said and um and i kind of gave him a quick glance and walked on he didn't look up he didn't give me eye contact as is often the case and i walked on and i can tell you every step further I went from him my heart got heavier and my legs got heavier and I thought oh God I'm a hypocrite that's what I thought I'm a hypocrite I, I got into town I didn't turn back immediately but I said Lord I, 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 that guy's there he was there yesterday and I hadn't even barely noticed him the day before I said God if he's still there when I go back I'm going to stop and talk. And I made a beeline for him, and I had a chat with him, and I found out some of his circumstances, and I offered him places where we could get help. And I overcame my Christian sensibilities about if I give him money, he'll spend it on drugs and alcohol. And I know that that is often the case, but I gave him a couple of quid. Sue me. You know, and I know that that's not always the answer, but I was burdened in my heart that I was a hypocrite. And I don't want to be a hypocrite when I read what Jesus says. I want to do what's right. I want to be a wise person. I want to build my life on Jesus. And so we come to these verses, verse 43, um, reading from the New Living Translation, slightly different from the NIV, which we heard. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes 
from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. It seems so obvious, doesn't it? I uh, live and work and serve the Lord in Herefordshire. And uh, in Herefordshire, where the boomers plant is, making cider. If boomers want decent cider, they've got to pick apples from apple trees. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying, isn't it? I mean, it's obvious. You say, well, that's obvious. Of course, you want good cider, you pick apples from apple trees. And um, we, we, um, I'm not a big cider fan, a bit odd living in Herefordshire, but uh, um, the Strongbow advert, Strongbow is now part of the uh, Hereford kind of brand, and there's a Strongbow advert, you know the one where it's the rain and the snow and the hail and the sun, and, and he's in the field and the farmer comes along and he picks the apple and he bites it and he screws his face up, and he goes, yes! <laughs> and... Uh, Right at the end of that advert, there's a clip of some tractors driving over a bridge. And we all watch it as a family go, yay, Hereford. And it's only on for about half a second. Yay, Her- Oh, it's gone. Grapes grow on vines. Strawberries grow in polytunnels. I mean, we all know these things. But that's the point Jesus is making, isn't it? Look, that fruit comes from that tree. And we know that. And you get the point. The illustration he's using is not just the, uh, about the types of fruit, but more importantly about good and bad fruit. So good fruit can't grow on bad trees. And bad, tr- bad fruit doesn't grow from good trees. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So what's his point? If you want to forgive instead of hate... If you want to show mercy instead of retaliate. If you want to speak words of kindness and not condemn. It will come from what's in here. But what determines what's in here? So a good man will speak good things out of the good that's in his heart. What makes my heart good then? That's the question, isn't it? If I want to speak kind words and do good things, if I want to forgive and not condemn and not judge and turn the other cheek and not only offer my coat but let the person have my shirt, it comes from a good heart. How do I get a good heart? That's the root of the question that Jesus is dealing with. When um, I was at... uh, Grammar school in the late 70s, early early 80s, um, computer studies had just kind of started. I, I didn't really do it. I did go along to a little computer club after school sometimes, and they, they had um, BBC computers, and, and we bought a ZX Spectrum at home. ZX Spectrum, little keyboard like that, little, little rubbery buttons, and played games, and I thought, wow, isn't this amazing? And computers are brand new, but one of the things that they taught us in computer studies was... Programmers still know to be true today. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. It's all well and good to blame the computer. It may not have been your fault that your PC's got a bug, but someone put that bug in there, either deliberately, maliciously, or just from surfing or from somewhere else. Garbage in, garbage out it's exactly what jesus is saying it's exactly what he's driving at so how can a tree transform its performance you say okay i hear what jesus is saying and 
I've got to be honest with you, I struggle. I struggle with my temper. I struggle with saying things I shouldn't say. I'm not that kind of person that we read about. I would like to be. I want to change. There's bad fruit in my life, which may suggest my heart's not great, but I want to have good fruit. I want to be the person Jesus talked about. So how can a tree transform its performance, growing good, not rotten, fruit? Well, I want to combine the answer with the, um, the second bit of that. So we've thought about the, the, the tree, now we think about the builder. So Jesus is driving at this, and he wants us to think about it. You know, one of the wonderful things that Jesus does is, he doesn't just give you the answer. The best teachers I had at school did not give me the answer. They gave me the tools to get the answer. And that's what Jesus does. That's why he used parables. Remember, the disciples came and they asked him, what does the parable mean, the parable of the sower? The one that we might think is the most obvious. They didn't get it. And Jesus said, look, the purpose of parables is so that the blind will be blind and those that see will see. And you think, that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? But what he's driving at is, you know, if you really want to get it, you'll get it. If you really want to see, you'll see. If you want to know the answer, then come and ask, which is exactly what they did of Jesus. If you want to know the answer, come to me and you will get the answer. You will discover that the answer is in Jesus. So we come to the second uh, little parable. We've got the fruit trees and then we've got the builders. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Ah, oh, there's a clue there, isn't there? Lord. Why do you call me Lord? You don't do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man or a woman who builds a house, who digs down deep and lays a foundation on rock. When the flood comes and the torrent strikes, that house cannot be shaken because it has been well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a person who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. I um, didn't know that song very well about the kingdom. I, I've heard it before, but I didn't know it very well. So I take it as one of Mike's favorites. It was around uh, Robin email between some of the counties evangelists just the other week. Um, we were going to a prayer and share day down in Cardiff, and um, they were just confirming who was coming and just had to kind of send a one-word answer on this round Robin email. Um, and, and, and I, uh, rather than write back, yes, I'll be there, I wrote, I'm coming to look out for me if you get there before I do, you know, and, and dot, 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 something like that, which is an old song, uh, some of you will remember it, way far beyond Jordan, all right, and, uh, and um, I got a reply from the chairman of counties, who was also going to the meeting, saying, didn't think you were that old, dot, 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 <laughs> so I did tell him, well, Northern Ireland's about 40 years behind even wheels, dot, dot, dot. Um, anyway, the conversation eventually fizzled out. But, um, but the, the, that other old chorus, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came down and the floods came up, but the, ho the house on the rock stood firm. And we know the song and we know the story, but let's take now these two pictures. So we've got a tree that gives good fruit, and we've got a builder who's building on foundation. What's Jesus driving at? What does he want us to get this morning for ourselves? What's the takeaway for us? 
so that we can put it into practice and do something about it. Let me take you to another scene, another home, another place where Jesus is teaching. You don't need to turn to it, but Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha. And Jesus and the disciples continue on their way to Jerusalem and they come to a certain village where the woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. What one thing? I mean, there's loads of things that are important. And the details are important, as our church treasurer keeps telling me when I have another new idea. He says, well, you know, we have to be able to pay for it. Well, yeah, the Lord will provide. Yes, he will, he says. And, and then he looks at the figures. And um, he, he told us one day, there was another new elder joined our eldership, and we were at our finance planning meeting. And it was fantastic. He, um, uh, uh, we'd got this money that had been given to us, and we were spending it, uh, or at least planning the spend of it. And um, uh, the treasurer said, what you've planned is 10000 more than the gift we've been given. Yes, that's right. That's faith. I mean, God's calling us to do this stuff. And he said, if we had a million pounds, and the other elder answered, we'd spend one and a half. Now, I, you know, we're not talking about being frivolous or, and the details matter and we've been really blessed with people who know and care and help us about these things. Budgeting's important. Even Gloucester City Mission, I guess, budgets. It's really important to do these, these things right. But sometimes we get worried about the detail. The detail drives us into the dust. And the whole time Jesus is there. And we get caught up with the detail and we miss Jesus. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And she's soaking it in. And Martha's running around and she's more annoyed that Mary's having a good time than anything else. Mary was distracted. Jesus says there's only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary's discovered it. Friends, what is it? What's the one thing? Well, let's go back to our passage in Luke 6. Jesus says, you call me Lord, Lord. What's Mary done? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. Folks, the only way to have my heart transformed is to sit at the feet of the only one who can transform it. It's to come to the only person who can change it. To come to the feet of Jesus. The key part of the parable of the wise and foolish builders is spoken by Jesus as follows. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Then he says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice. The start of wisdom is sitting at Jesus' feet. Listening, first of all, to his words. Can I ask you a question? Have you been at Jesus' feet? 
you know, when you fall at someone's feet, it's a mark of submission. It's a mark of surrender. It's a mark of saying, I am nothing, you are everything. And Jesus says, you call me Lord. What's he saying? He's saying, you call me Lord, but you don't mean it. You say I'm Lord, but I'm not really. When I was growing up, we had preachers who used to say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. That's challenging, isn't it? We've got one of our values at Challenge Community Church in Hereford, one of the biblical values that we've preached on quite regularly, and we call it wholehearted. And I was in a prayer meeting in our church, and there were people praying and saying, God, help me to be more wholehearted. You get the point? You can't be more wholehearted. You're either wholehearted, or you're not wholehearted. Now listen, I'm not standing here saying I'm wholehearted. I'm saying I struggle with this on a daily basis. But what does that require me to do? It requires me on a daily basis to go back to the feet of Jesus. That's what it requires me to do. So when I was seven, I submitted my life to Christ. I didn't know everything that that would mean. I didn't know what it would entail. I didn't know when I gave my life to Christ how much he loved me. I didn't know how deep and dark my sin was that he had paid for it all on the cross. I didn't know how amazing it would be to have his Holy Spirit come and live in my life, the God of glory dwelling in me. I didn't get it, but I submitted my life to him. But the more I get it, the more I realize I need to submit my life to him. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. An old hymn says, all to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. You see, the building of a life that can stand in the toughest of times begins with a foundation built on Jesus. And so he says in John's Gospel, the scriptures point to me, but you refuse to come to me and receive this life. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But many have starred it there. Many people, and perhaps including you, have bowed at the feet of Jesus. You've come to that moment, as I did when I was a child. You've come to that moment and you've said, yes, Lord Jesus. Look, first of all, maybe there's some who haven't done that. Can I, can I say to you, the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says, is the fear of the Lord. The place where wisdom begins is by kneeling at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, you are Lord. Be Lord of my life. But many more of us perhaps are here this morning and we've started there. But the foundations aren't as strong as they ought to be. The root system, and this is where it connects with the tree, the root system's a little bit shallow. The roots aren't going down deep enough. In the message translation of Colossians 1, and 23, we read, Stay grounded and steady in the bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. You know, the Bible is absolutely linked with finding, meeting, knowing, and growing in Jesus. And so, look, 
digging down and putting in root systems that will help us to stand in tough times and building a house and a foundation that will last mean I need to be exposing my heart every day to the word of God. Garbage in, garbage out. And there's loads of garbage out there on the internet, on the television, in the world of media. There's loads that we expose ourselves to and it's not all bad and we need to hear and understand and be people of the times. I agree with that and I, I aspire to do it. But if all I take in is garbage, all I will give is garbage. And so I need to come back to the word of God and I need to read it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, I've quoted. And all who follow his precepts have good understanding. What's his precepts? It's his word. Those who follow them have good understanding. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You and I need to meet with Jesus. We need to do it every day. And then from the root, put down into Christ, fruit comes. Unexpectedly, without planning. You see, where I need to plan is not the fruit... You see, if I look at the fruit, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to be kind to that person. I'm going to give that thing to that person and not ask for a bite. I'm going to do. Then all you're doing is doing is kind of a salvation by works. I'm going to do, do, do. I'm going to do all these good things and I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to change my life. And Jesus says, no, you can't do it. What you focus on is the root. What you build on is the foundation. Look there. And when you put down roots into Jesus Christ and into his word and into the church and into associating with people who will encourage your Christian life, do you know what you discover? The fruit comes. The fruit comes. And you become a kinder person. You begin to forgive. You begin to have joy that you didn't expect. Psalm 1, oh the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. The picture of Psalm 1 is some people don't put down roots and they're like chaff. Or they're like tumbleweed. You know, we used to have a preacher come to us who always tried to tell jokes in his sermons. And he was the world's worst joke teller. And he would tell a joke and it would be like there would be tumbleweed just gently blow along behind him. And other people, they don't even tell a joke, and the people laugh. But the tumbleweed image, it's just like people with no root. You're blown around by every wind of doctrine, whatever the latest thing is, whatever the latest fashion is, in the world or the church. I don't want to be a tumbleweed, I want to be a tree. I want to be a tree that's bearing fruit. Well, how do I do that? They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And meditating on it day and night, then I discover there's a, a new tune being played in my life. Paderowski was a famous pianist who was due, true story, due to play in New York. And uh, uh, there were a family there to watch him. And what they hadn't noticed was that their little seven-year-old boy had disappeared. He'd said he'd gone to the toilet. But as the curtains opened, awaiting um 
Paderowski's appearance on stage, their little boy was sat at the grand piano. Well, you can imagine his parents, oh my goodness gracious me. And he started to play just a simple little tune that he'd been learning at home. And it was, oh, the more he played it, the more his parents just slunk into their seats. And then he started playing chopsticks. Oh. And as he played chopsticks, Paderowski appeared on the stage, and there was a round of applause. Paderowski went. And he came out behind the boy, and he lent his arms around him, and he just whispered quietly, keep playing. The little boy kept playing chopsticks and Paderowski played an accompaniment to it with left hand and right. And together they made amazing music for three or four minutes. And the crowd stood in ovation and the little boy was led back to his seat. You see, that's what's happened. That's what happens when you play in tune with the maestro. When you submit your little bit to the hands of Jesus. He comes alongside you and he doesn't overpower you and he doesn't take over. He just says, keep playing. And together, you start to transform the world in which you work and live. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Focus on the root. Let God deliver the fruit. Focus on putting your foundation on Jesus. And let God help you to be the kind of person who'll stand in tough times. We're going to sing uh, a hymn. We're going to sing in Christ alone. Then I'll close in prayer after that. Um, Chris has done a little uh, typo on here. He'll, he'll be upset me mention it. It says, in Chris alone on the song sheet. <laughs> I used to preach at a church or a church I used to go to in Northern Ireland. And they had the text on the outside wall that said, Christ died for our sins. But for about three years, the T was missing of Christ. And we used to think what a wonderful person Chris must have been. Um, but isn't God good, eh? Isn't God good? You know, and the fruit of joy and peace and love and, uh, and forgiveness and grace and gentleness and kindness. That's what God's looking for in our lives. But it'll only come as we focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So we'll stand and sing in Christ alone and remain standing for a closing prayer.